Welcome to Is It My Time? This is for the person asking, is it too late to make a difference? Too late to make a change? Up to this point, a major part of your identity has been as John's wife, or Sarah's mom, or even that go-to person at work, the one you can get a job or a task to and they'll get it done, in the job description or not. But something's happened and there is now some time or space in your daily life. Time that allows you to hear that voice you've kept quiet, staying busy with everyone and everything else. The voice is asking, is this all there is? Is it too late to do something else? Be something else? Is there more to me or this life? We will answer those questions and more, but first we have to build a firm foundation. That is necessary to support anything you wish to build or establish. The most solid foundation out there is one built on truth, God's truth. He created you, He gifted you, and He has plans for you. Absorbing God's word and love for you will help establish that solid foundation. Grounding yourself in your identity in Christ will make you formidable and capable of achieving anything. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. Happy Labor Day. And we are continuing our discussion from last week um, talking about you don't know my story. I'm so glad you're back and I know you're curious about the two New Testament examples of broken people God used in a big way for his purpose. But before we go there, I actually want to talk about the Bible itself and how you view it. I would hazard a guess that you view it as a book of do's and don'ts and more so don'ts. You think it's a list of examples of what not to do. While you are partially correct, I submit to you it's so much more. The overarching theme or message is one of love, God's love for us. Even in the Old Testament, the laws, rules, commandments given were done so out of love. Like a father to a child, these were given as guardrails, a way to protect you along the path and to keep you from going too far to the left or to the right and falling off into dangerous territory. There are also examples and stories of the lengths God will go to for redeeming us and keeping us in relationship with Him. And I know you've been on a journey of self-discovery or trying to find ways to improve yourself, continue to grow and develop into a better form of you. And in that journey, I am sure you have found a ton of resources, coaches, and voices that are promising to help you in your journey. I'm also not saying that you can't or shouldn't utilize any of that material for your growth. Here is what I am saying. Turn to the Bible first. Know what God's Word says first. Know God's truth so when you read or utilize these other resources, you can use your discernment to determine good advice from bad and screen that information to strain out the good and useful parts and discard the bad or those in conflict with the truth. This is a learned skill, and just like any others, the more you practice it, the more you'll use it, and the better you will become, and may even start screening up front so that you aren't wasting your valuable time and resources on false teachings, bad advice, or trends that won't help you in the long run. Now let's talk about one more concept before diving into today's examples. This may stretch your thought processes like a good brain teaser, but it's also good. We know that Christ took all our sins upon him on the cross so that we could be forgiven and redeemed back into relationship with God. He took all sin upon himself, past, present, and future, so that nothing would separate us once we were forgiven. Here's the mind blower. All our sins were in the future from when Christ died on the cross. 
our past and present sins were still in the future. This goes to show the greatness of our God. We were known by him before we existed. See Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 or Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. He knew when, where, and how we would fail through sin and took those upon himself so we could be forgiven today, right now, as well as in our future when we will stumble and sin again. He covered us with his grace to secure our future. Knowing all this should give you a new set of eyes to read the scripture. It sure opened mine. And now to today's examples. Jesus did nothing without forethought, planning, prayer, and guidance from the Father. When he chose his disciples, this was true as well. I believe that not only were they chosen to fulfill his mission and purpose, they were chosen as examples for the people then and us now. Jesus didn't choose from royalty or the educated elite. He chose everyday Joes and Janes to minister to everyone from outcasts to royalty. He came for the sinners, which includes all of us. It's a level playing field from that perspective. And as far as examples for us, broken, imperfect people were qualified for his purpose. One near and dear to my heart is Peter. Not because he was quick to act and for his leadership skills, but because of one of his faults. He had a great capacity for speaking before thinking, or in other words, putting his foot in his mouth. And I'm going to share a few scriptures to point out what I'm talking about. We'll get these from Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew. In chapter 14, verses 28 through 31, this is the section where Jesus was walking on water. He was walking out to the apostles in the storm-ravaged boat. Now, just before Peter cries out, Jesus has already told all the apostles, it's him. They were afraid he had been a ghost, but he told them, it's him, don't be afraid. But starting in verse 28, you say, hear Peter saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He's asking for proof. Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Now he had been told it was Jesus. He had doubts. He asked for proof. He got his proof and then stumbled anyway. Now on to chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. In this section, Jesus has been instructing his disciples. And in this particular section, it's called Jesus predicts his death. And starting in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now I get he loved Jesus, and he didn't want to believe anything like that could happen. But he was the student, and Jesus was the teacher, and he was rebuking his teacher for things he was saying. Again, foot and mouth. Now, if we move along to chapter 17 and verses 1 through 9, Peter, along with James and John, were invited along just with Jesus for a special moment. This one's called the Transfiguration. And in verse 1, 
It begins, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now here you have Peter. He's been along, um, invited along on a very special moment. Not all the apostles got to see this. And instead of sitting there in awe and wonder and trying to digest what had just happened, he immediately blurts out something that he thinks that he needs to do to commemorate the moment. And even God breaks in at this point and says, Be quiet, Peter. Listen to my son. You can also find this event retold in Luke and Mark. And finally, let's move on to Matthew chapter 26. This verbal mishap may be the one that you're most familiar with. Starting in chapter, uh, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You were also with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to count, call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This wasn't just a verbal blunder. This was an outright betrayal and denial of his Messiah at the moment when he needed him most. However, Jesus knew Peter. He knew all of these verbal blunders before they happened. He knew Peter would repent or apologize, and he also knew that he could inspire Peter to great moments of courage and leadership, and that he, Peter, would be valuable in establishing the early church. My next example is Paul. Yes, Paul that was once Saul, and as Saul persecuted the Christians of the early church. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7. If you've been able to turn over to chapter 7, start in verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And the next verse, and Saul approved of their killing him. Also in uh, chapter 8, verses 2 through 3, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. 
But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, we hear from Paul himself. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I believe Paul was chosen to show the power of God's grace, mercy, and love. If he can turn one of the most aggressive persecutors of Christians into the biggest proponent of the faith, what can't he do with someone like me, even with all my faults and brokenness? And that brings us back full circle, beginning with last week's discussion. We are never so broken that God can't use us for his purpose. So before you count yourself out, read a little scripture and just see how far you could possibly go. Until next time, may your studies prove to be fruitful and also inspiring. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Next time, we'll check in and see what progress we've made. I'll share a few of my favorite scriptures, and I'd love to share any you found helpful. You can share those in a review of this podcast or over in my podcast community on Facebook. I'll drop a link in the show notes. I'll read some of those reviews or posts and share about the scriptures you've written about. Until next time, happy reading.